We all have our list of things to do for Christmas. Last week, I came across something worth sharing. This Christmas, end a quarrel, seek out a forgotten friend, dismiss suspicion, and replace it with trust. Write a love letter, share some treasure, give a soft answer, keep a promise, find the time, forego a grudge, forgive an enemy, listen. Apologize if you were wrong. Try to understand. Examine your demands on others. Think first of someone else. Be kind. Be gentle. Appreciate. Laugh a little. Laugh a little more. Express your gratitude. Gladden the heart of a child. Welcome a stranger. Take pleasure in the beauty and the wonder of earth. Speak your love. Speak it again. Speak it once again. When I first read those words, I thought that would be a great Christmas list. I shared that on my Facebook page, so if you'd like to, uh, to see that and, and uh, read it or share it with others, you can find it there. The list that I read talks about writing a letter, in particular, a love letter. Remember those? There are different um, kinds of love letters, just as there are different kinds of love. C.S. Lewis explores the nature of love in his book, The Four Loves. He talks about the love of empathy, friendship, romance, and the highest form of love, what he calls charity, based on the Greek word agape. And this is unconditional divine love. It is the love of God and the love that comes from God. This is a love that exists regardless of changing circumstances. This is pure, self-giving love. And it's the love we see supremely in Jesus. God is love. To come back to the letter theme, the Bible is God's letter to us, and it does nothing but speak of God's love. In our reading for today, John, one of the early followers of Jesus, is writing about a vision he received from the Lord. The vision includes instructions for John to write seven letters to seven different churches, one per church in ancient cities in the Mediterranean world. And one of those cities is called Laodicea. We'll see if the map will come up on the screen. There we are. <laughs> Laodicea. And you see it there. It's kind of in small print, but it is the uh, star that is the furthest to the right. And this city was located in southwestern, uh, the southwestern part of Turkey, uh, near the modern-day city of Denizli. La uh, Laodicea was a wealthy city during Roman times, and it was widely known for its banking establishments, medical school, and textile industry. Each of these characteristics is reflected in the letter. And the Lord instructs John 
to write to the church in Laodicea, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. You say, I'm rich, I've acquired wealth, and don't need a thing. But, God says, you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Wow. Five very strong words. Now, there were several items in which Laodicea took great pride. Financial wealth, it was a, an affluent city. Uh, their extensive textile industry for producing uh, clothes and other items. And a famous uh, salve or ointment for the eye. By worldly standards, it was a city of abundance. But the problem was that the church in that city had become complacent. Their, their love for God and, and for one another was only half-hearted. Their material prosperity distracted them from true riches. So the Lord says, you say, I am rich. I have everything I need. But the things that really matter in those things, you're poor, you're blind, you're naked. God says, acquire from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich. And white clothes to wear so you can cover yourselves appropriately. An ointment to put in your eyes so you can truly see. In other words, God basically says to them, you've become too, too comfortable. You've become complacent. You think you have all you need, but you actually lack what's needed most. Where can they find that? Where can we find that? In the Lord. Gold refined in the fire, true spiritual riches that will never perish and never fade away. White clothes to wear, white representing the righteousness of Christ and medicine for our eyes so we can see. That's what the Lord offers his people then and now because he loves us. Those whom I love, he says, I correct and discipline. God knows the state of our souls, our deeds, our words, our desires, knows us from the inside. And God tells us the truth because he loves us. This letter raises a question for us today. What's the temperature in here? Now, I'm not talking about the air temperature. Something much more than that. What's the spiritual temperature in here? In here, as in in our church, but also in our hearts. In your heart. In my heart. What's the temperature in here? It's amazing how easily these days we can track the temperature. All it takes is, is checking your phone, just pressing a little button. If you like snow, then this time of year you might be thinking, I, I hope we get those, 
you know, below freezing temperatures, come on, temperature drop down there. So anything that comes down from the sky will turn into snow. When I was young, I used to think, you know, the more snow, the better. Now I don't get quite as excited. <laughs> uh, as it has been pointed out, though, um, if, you don't, if you choose not to find joy in the snow, you will have less joy in your life, but still the same amount of snow. <laughs> uh, this time of year, we're, we're used to uh, cold temperatures. Of course, at the other end of the spectrum are, are those high temperatures indicating something's hot. When I was about uh, 10 years old, after school one day, I told my mom I didn't feel well. So she prepared a, a hot bath for me. And I called out from the bathtub that I thought I had a bad fever. Now, I was exaggerating um, slightly, actually, more than slightly, because I didn't want to go to piano lessons that day. <laughs> but she brought me a thermometer to take my temperature, and then she handed it to me and, and went back downstairs. That gave me the opening I needed. <laughs> I put the thermometer in the hot water. And, and I le left it there until I heard the sound of her coming up the stairs, and then I knew she was going to check the temperature, and then very slyly, I just took it out of the water and slipped it into my mouth. It was a sophisticated trick. <laughs> and, oh, Mom, I'm so glad you're back. I don't feel, oh, Mom. And, and then she looked at the, the reading, and like, her eyes got big. Like, <laughs> she was so surprised. She called her mom, who, who was a nurse, and, and, and I overheard that part of the phone conversation. Can this, can this be right? I had some explaining to do. <laughs> a hot bath will drive up the temperature reading, especially if you put the thermometer in the water. The environment around us can also impact our spiritual temperature. That's one reason why it's so important that we regularly gather in worship. We come together in the presence of the Lord. We encounter God. We offer him our prayers, our praises, our burdens, our hopes, our lives. And there's a spiritual warmth and power that we find as that happens. There might be times when we don't feel like coming to worship, but when you come and worship God anyway, you are spiritually strengthened and you leave more fully alive, ready and prepared to face whatever lies before you. As we're faithful in worship, faithful in prayer, faithful in service, faithful in obeying God, whether we feel like it or not, here's what happens. God turns up the temperature in our hearts. John Wesley, who lived in England during the 18th century, founded the Methodist movement within Christianity. And Methodism emphasizes having a method or plan for living our faith uh, through specific practices like worship, like serving others, and like gathering together to build Christian community. One decisive moment in the rise of Methodism was a worship gathering 
in London that Wesley, by his own admission, reluctantly attended. He didn't feel like going, but he went anyway. And there, while hearing God's word, he encountered Jesus in a way he never had before. As he put it, I felt my heart strangely warmed. See, there it is. God turning up the temperature in our hearts. A movement of revival and renewal began that helped awaken a slumbering, lukewarm church. And that movement has since spread throughout the world. And now it includes over 85 million Christians in the Wesleyan tradition. And we here at Spry Church are among that number. We're part of that tradition. We're Christians first. And we're Christians within this particular tradition where there's always been an emphasis on what is lukewarm, what is complacent, what is slumbering, being awakened, being raised up, being strengthened and renewed and revitalized. When God warms a human heart, great things can happen. So it's good for us to ask, what's the temperature in here, in our church, in our hearts? The Lord's message to the church in Laodicea was this, you are neither cold nor hot, you have become lukewarm. The imagery is vivid. Jesus says, because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. And maybe if you're like me, you hear those words and you think, what? Is this the good and loving Jesus I was raised to know? What could possibly lead him to say that? Well, remember, he's the Lord. He's the judge. And evidently, he has quite strong feelings about his church being true to the mission. He has quite strong feelings about his church staying exactly on point. And he has quite strong feelings about his church and his followers who fall into a state of complacency, who are lukewarm. The church in Laodicea had forgotten its first love. And with that, had forgotten its mission. The people were content trusting in their own material resources and physical comfort. We're fine, God. We don't need you. We've got everything we need. They stopped not only looking to God for the help they needed. They also stopped supplying healing for the spiritually sick. They stopped supplying refreshment for the spiritually weary who were out there in the world whom God was calling them to reach. And they stopped doing that because they sat back and said, we're comfortable, we're fine, we have all we need. And out of his great love for them and those he's calling them to reach, 
the Lord says, come back to me. I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking. If you let me in, I'll be with you in a whole new way. Now that verse, it's interesting how it's been interpreted over the years. Very often, we read that and, or we see it uh, you know, on a, on a card or something, or we see it depicted on a painting, like the painting right outside of our church, of our church sanctuary. And, you know, Jesus is, is knocking. And, and immediately we likely think, oh, this is about Jesus knocking on the hearts of those who don't yet know him, those who don't know what it means to follow him. And he's knocking and he's inviting. And that's true. That's true that Jesus does that. But in the context of this letter, there's actually a deeper meaning. See, Jesus is addressing the members of the congregation who have lost their passion, who have forgotten their first love, and who have become complacent and lukewarm about what actually matters most. And he says, I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I'm calling out to you. There's so much more for you to experience. There's so much more I want to do in you and through you. All you have to do is open the door of your heart to me. I'll come and I'll eat with you. I'll be your companion on the way. I'll strengthen you. I'll guide you. I'll lead you into the life I came came to give to you. In the ancient uh, Near Eastern world during biblical times, To eat with someone, to share a meal, signified friendship and personal familiarity. And that's how Jesus wants to relate to us and for us to relate to him in ways marked by by friendship and personal familiarity and warmth, sharing a meal together. Hearing his voice and opening the door is how we become more fully alive in Jesus. That's what he wants for us. It's what he wants for everyone. I believe he's calling out to everybody. Christmas tells us that. Some of us right now might be in a place spiritually that's basically lukewarm, where we've become complacent about faith, you know, one foot in, one foot out, going through the motions, having the form of godliness, the appearance of it, but lacking its power. You know, just kind of like a shell, an empty shell of a faithful life. But on the inside, it's hollow. Some of us might be in a place like that right now. And our life with Jesus isn't meant to be one thing among many. It's it's, it's meant to be the most important thing, it, the defining priority, the, the, the greatest commitment in our lives. It's meant to be our north star, our guiding light. And if you've become complacent and lukewarm spiritually, there's no better time than right now to get truly connected with God. Jesus says, I'm standing and I'm knocking. I'm knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I'll come and be with you. Or if you're in a place spiritually that's marked by coldness, 
or darkness. Remember Christmas. It was in the bleak midwinter, a time of, of darkness, of coldness, the bleak midwinter. And that was when the true light came into the world, Jesus our Savior. Light brightens up the dark so we can see. Light also gives warmth. Both of those dimensions are so beautifully reflected in the wonder of Christmas. As we remember and thank God that the light has come, as John tells us, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Our world needs more light. You know, that's always been true. And especially in these times in which we're living, our world needs more light. Maybe you watched uh, the funeral for former President uh, George H.W. Bush last week, uh, or at least heard news coverage of his passing and, and, and then of his, of his life and legacy. He famously spoke of a thousand points of light, a wonderful vision of compassionate service in communities all across our country, a thousand points of light. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. As we follow Jesus, Jesus, we can have that light of life every day. And in a special way, it's what we celebrate at Christmas. The light of Jesus brightens up our dark world so we can see. The light of Jesus brings warmth, brings heat into our lives, brings redemption into our weary world. This Christmas Eve, we're thrilled uh, to offer four services for our community, and they'll be among the most beautiful and meaningful times of worship we'll have all year long. We're going to fill this church with the sights and sounds of Christmas. Please help us offer this gift to our community. Uh, you can help in two ways. First, you can be on our team of volunteers serving others and warmly welcoming our neighbors. Second, you can help by inviting others to worship with us. Christmas is the biggest outreach of the year, the best opportunity we have all year long to share the good news of great joy that is for all people. Help us reach people and spread the word. Christmas Eve is a great opportunity because it's the time of year when people are most receptive to an invitation to church. Many people are looking for things to do with family and friends. People who don't normally go to church are more likely to visit a church if they're invited by someone they know, like a neighbor, friend, coworker, or family member. Please turn now in your bulletin. and. Uh, Take your bulletin out, and, and somewhere in the bulletin, you will see that we have attached four invitation cards uh, by paperclip uh, to your bulletin. So, so would you take those cards out in particular?
give these cards to family, friends, neighbors, coworkers, or others as a way of inviting them to our community Christmas celebration on Christmas Eve. For example, you could very easily put an invitation card in every Christmas card you give to someone who is local. Or you could attach one of these cards to treats, cookies, pies, or other things that you're already going to be giving to people, and you could simply attach it as a way of extending a personal invitation. We have extra invitation cards at the Welcome Center, and uh, you could grab more there today. And we encourage you to help us spread the word by spreading these invitation cards, these personal invitations to people in our lives. We'll hand out about 250 bulletins this morning, and each bulletin has four cards. So that's, that's about 1,000 invitations to people we know. A thousand points of light in our community, pointing people to the true light. If we all do our part and put these cards to use, together we'll invite a thousand people to join us on Christmas Eve, to hear beautiful music, to listen as the cherished Christmas story of Jesus' birth is shared once again, to sing familiar carols with family, friends, and neighbors, and quite literally to receive and pass the light through our candle lighting ceremony. It's, it's the most special time, I believe, all year long in our worship. When we take the lights all the way down, symbolizing the darkness of the world around us, and then in comes the Christ candle, the light of Christ. And then it's passed person to person, heart to heart. And that's what it's about. So this week, pray about who you can invite to Candlelight Christmas Eve. And then use these cards to do it. As we point others to where true joy can be found, we find greater joy too. And God turns up the spiritual temperature within us. Jesus was very clear. The mission of the church is to go everywhere, seek everybody, and teach them everything about Jesus. That's our mission. It's a literal command from God. Share this invitation with people in your life, not at all in a pushy way, but in love. And may the Holy Spirit kindle in our hearts a flame of love for God and love for our neighbors, a holy fire that burns for the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for coming into our world to bring your light and your love. Help us respond to you in faith by opening our hearts to you each day. Let your light and your love shine in us and through us to reach others for your glory. Show each of us how we can be used by you to share the good news of Jesus with others by extending a personal invitation for them to join us as we worship you this Christmas. And so, Lord, would you speak to us 
would you turn up the spiritual temperature in our hearts? We pray in Jesus' name, and as he taught us, now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done.